Well, good afternoon. This is Dr. Jack London, and uh, the uh, topic is health plan uh, providers in hospitals and providers with those hospital systems. We're going to delve into direct contracting and uh, talk a little bit about some of the opportunities that are available uh, to you as the employer, uh, to you as the consultant, and uh, and the broker in in the various markets. You know what's interesting? Um, the hospital systems now are looking for ways to increase their their market share, and they're realizing that uh, their neighbors who may be a competing hospital is contracted with the same bukas that they all are. So whether it's a Cigna, United, Aetna, uh, et cetera, uh, they are all contracted with those carriers. So the opportunity for their market share becomes minimized because they're all buying for that same singular patient. And that's where this opportunity of direct contracting has come in. So how do you do this? Well, every one of the hospital systems that we've had the pleasure of visiting with have a direct-to-employer or group or a division today. And they're looking at opportunities in order to uh, be that primary network, if you will, because they've integrated their system to a point of having a, a, a litany of services including an incomplete doctor organization. And most of those physicians are now employed by that hospital system. So let's take a look at some of the first steps that are involved. This is a, a financial model that I wanna share with you and one of the, one of the opportunities in order to do a, a data analysis and look at the cost of healthcare. Uh, here's a organization with 2,800 employees. And their PEPY, or per employee per year cost in 2018 was $8,268. They were, previous to that, showing a trending of approximately 11% per year. Now, that's not a bad trend, honestly, but it's still not acceptable. That means that anywhere between 11% and 20, up to 20% in some instances, it continues to rise. If it does continue to rise, based upon the different trending, it becomes a non-sustainable cost virtually. So in 2019, they ended up with the same amount of employees, but at $9,177 in the per employee per year cost. And with that idea that again, another 11%, and that's very modest in, in, in essence, and, and some in realities, it could be much higher. They would end up with 2020 with $10,187. The intent is to bring back and down the cost by minimally of about $1,000 per employee per year. So how do you do that? Well, one of the ways is on a risk reward model, you want to talk about bringing into the fold a point of service opportunity, meaning that this point of service is to a narrow network granted, yes, and yet that hospital system can pretty much cover the geographic area where your employer is located. And those are the issues that you need to walk through the process. If you look at the total spend of an employer group and realize that the 10 million, 12 million, 1500 million dollars that they're spending on a yearly basis and where it's going, you will pretty much find that it's it's in somewhat of a parity out to all of the buka providers in almost 
even sequences. And I'll give you a perfect example. In the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you have three major hospital systems. You have the Texas Health Resources with 15, 16 hospitals. You have uh, HCA, which has rebranded itself in that area to Medical City Dallas or Medical City Fort Worth, et cetera. And they too have 14, 15 hospitals. And then you have Baylor, Scott & White, which you've heard, and they have a large presence in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Well, it goes to show that when all of these providing systems are contracted with the um, carriers, it's pretty evident that you're going to see pretty much of a, a third, a third, and a third of the disparity. And in that $10 million spend that I was talking about earlier, it, it's, it was uh, right on the money. Three million or plus and some change went to Texas Health. A little over three million went to HCA and Medical City uh, Hospitals. And then lastly, Baylor, Scott, and White, the $3 million. So what's in it for the hospital system? Well, let's think in terms of, okay, if we can increase your market share, Mr. Hospital System, what can we get in return? Well, several things. One of which is we want to have a little bit more favorable rate structure. And we're not talking about reference-based pricing here, and we'll get into that in a moment. But we're talking about bringing the rates into a level of understanding on a direct contracted basis that you're negotiating a per diem for a med surge bed day, for an ICU bed day, for uh, open heart surgery, an all-inclusive rate, uh, maybe hips, knees, and joints where you have a much uh, specific agreement where you're dealing with a combination that's all-inclusive with the surgeon, the anesthesiologist, the outpatient surgical center, and including the prosthetic, all in one fell swoop. And that becomes more cost-effective. And then on top of it, you're utilizing a participating provider who is a PCP or primary care doctor as the point of contact. Now, this is um, on, a, on a point of service plan. It, to me, gives the opportunity, and it has shown, where there's more medical management, there's more control, because the patient is known throughout the system. So beforehand, if you're not under a point of service plan, meaning that you're not required to engage a PCP to access your healthcare plan, the likelihood of you ended up in an emergency room with um, an, uh, an issue that could have well been handled by your primary care happens more frequently than not. And yet it's almost sometimes 10 times the cost if you've gone to that primary care doctor. You can minimize it somewhat by the urgent care centers. And that's why you have the proliferation of urgent care centers because people are impatient, but they're not connected with a primary care doctor. So what our goal and objective is, is to assist them in, in particularly with patient PAL to steer them to that primary care physician as their doctor of choice. Now, now you have somebody who's familiar with you, who understands your medical records, will work with you, and it's not the blind leading the blind. And then they're going to refer into that first tier or the network the way it's structured. And that's why you'll see the way that this is set up is that the claim is submitted, the TPA network knows, and the plan is paid. And that in turn will bring cost efficiencies, but it, most importantly, you're medically managing the, the, uh, the patient in a much more robust way. On the contracting with these services, there's a, a number of different 
hoops you want to jump through. One of which always start with the data. So you're looking at the analytically, you're looking at the data to be able to determine what kind of disruption it would be if you move it into a specific system from the use of, and, and obviously it doesn't make a lot of sense if you've got a system that has 80% of your members and now you're going to move them into a, a, a system that has only 20% penetration for it, that's going to cause a lot of noise, uh, as the HR people would, would say, but it's not serving really your client in that. It would be better to get to that 80% utiliz utilizer and basically say, let's work out uh, an opportunity for you to have all 100%. Might as well, you got most of it all the way in currently. But they'll tell you, in fact, every hospital system I've been in front of, when I mention a specific group that we are advising or um, working with uh, as a consultant, they'll tell me how much money they're getting over the past so many years because they track that. They want to know. So you go through that analytical opportunity with the data, and, and you're going to be able to share this, of course, with your TPA. And then in turn, you look at the hospital system. So again, you're talking to those hospital leaders and basically say, look, Mr. Hospital System, we know that you're right now experiencing a third of the business of our of our company that we're dealing with here. And, and we want to be able to bring to you a better opportunity. And in doing so, we now have brought you into a level of 100%. Would you be willing to help me with that and work through that process? And, and I, I will tell you, 90% of the time, we've had a successful conversation with that, which has been uh, awesome. Secondly, we know that these integrated and fully integrated systems have what then has an opportunity to be able to deal with, and that is the fact that they have all uh, physicians pretty well covered. Either they have physicians covered in your area of, with an ACO that they've either built or helped build or contracted with, or they have these employed physicians. Many of the markets uh, and many of the hospital systems have a fully integrated plan of employed physicians. So you have basically two signatures you're dealing with. One with the hospital system, you agree upon the rates, one with the reimbursement to the physicians in that. Then you wanna add in, of course, your labs, your x-ray, your uh, other ancillary services and the like, and put your plan design together in such a way that it shows how you are steering your members into this opportunity. And that's a win-win all the way around. And I'll tell you, unfortunately, we have some detractors. What are some of those? Well, the first comes to mind, it's money. The money that the broker and consultant is receiving uh, for this type of service. And it's sometimes, sadly, the carrier who is getting paid back from the hospitals based upon some of the utilization and use of the way that they've structured their reimbursements of which they don't tell you. I think a telltaling aspect is if you sit across from a buka, and I'm talking about one of the carriers and, and basically say, look, we wanna do an analysis on, on your hospital agreements for our client. May you share those with us? They say, I can't do that, it's proprietary. All right, well, to me, that's kind of like buying a car and not knowing how much you pay for it till you put it in the driveway. So it's a bit, discerning. But in this particular case, we're talking about full disclosure, full transparency, and understanding exactly what we're going to pay.
And with the carriers and brokers, they're in, in somewhat of, of an of a interesting arrangement. The brokers are getting paid by the carriers to bring business to them predicated on the uh, reimbursements of, of a percentage of that premium or percentage of that fee that is being paid to the carrier and the brokers bring it back in, in a sense. Your traditional brokers in many instances have worked with the blues and worked with all of the carriers for years and years and years and they know how much money that they would have to leave on the table if they were to void themselves of that arena and, and it's not that we're so much faulting the brokers, it's just become a, a situation where who's the client? The client is your self-funded company. That's the client and it's your money. You are the, in essence, the insurance company and how you're gonna work through that process. That's why it becomes to a point of, of a d- detraction and it's a little challenging to get work over that. Then you have your, network concerns. Now you're going from an all-you-can-eat plan, literally, to a narrow network. Well, I'll tell you, if you do your homework and realize that that narrow network still geographically will carry for, take for, uh, carry and and take care of all of your members, you you still have an opportunity that's tremendous. This is where the reference-based pricing comes in um, to me in, in a way where if you think in terms of visualizing the first tier to be your preferred network, and the second is basically telling the members, hey, look, if you choose to go outside of, of that first tier, and there's all of these incentives for you to go to that first tier, you're going to end up realizing that the, the piper is going to get paid because we want to we want to protect the employer. And by protecting the employer, that basically means that you now have a situation where um, if you pay, say, 150% or 165% of Medicare, it's irrelevant. But now that basically means there's no contract with those outside providers. They're going to guarantee to balance bill your members, and you're going to have a challenge on your hand. At least you've given the employee the choice. You can go here or you can go here. That's up to you in that sense. So that's where we overcome, I believe, some of the network challenges. So what do we get as a result of doing all this wonderful opportunity with bringing a a direct contract into the fold, working directly in a partnership with the health plan and with the health providers, your hospital systems, you're improving quality outcomes. You have a finger, you have a pulse on the top of it. That stop loss premium is actually reduced, believe it or not, in many, many, many instances, and in all of the stop-loss carriers we speak to, and we speak to many of them, they all look for this kind of model to say, yeah, I'm protected too. My company's protected as a stop-loss carrier because I know my total exposure is going to be 165% of Medicare on one end. On the other end, we know we have contracted rates that they are what they are, and we can vet through that process. I believe that the um, carriers mean well in their medical management, but it leaves a hole. It's just not there. Um, It is so matter of fact that it hasn't become one patient at a time, which is important. So that patient engagement, which has been the credence of the aspiration healthcare and what we've been talking about. The ACO networks, you know, they, they, they have actually come a long way and they too are doing 
full risk agreements with Medicare. If you've seen that, well, what does that mean? That means that they have to have and prove better outcomes, better opportunities financially. Otherwise, they're not going to make money. So why not utilize those skill sets in your self-funded arena? And you can put this into a risk-reward model by basically putting some dollars out on the table that the hospital can enjoy should they achieve certain elements of goals. And, and that's where that partnership with the money comes into play. So I do know that we have a, an opportunity that is, is out there. It is uh, rather innovative. There are very few uh, in the marketplace that are currently doing this. I think this will certainly be the wave of the future. And, uh, and I think that that's been part of the message of our entire conference has been how to engage the member who is costing the money to buy off on their own health care, their own well-being, and partner with an opportunity of the providers to lead a better and more quality life. That's all what we have for today. And uh, we certainly appreciate that you had a chance to dial in. I'm going to open it up for any questions, any final questions that you may have. And, um, and certainly we'll uh, take an uh, email from you. My email is jack at patientpal.org. Pretty simple. Jack at patientpal.org. If, uh, if you want some other questions answered offline, um, but I've been so honored to be part of this conference. What an innovation it has been to learn about NUCA, to know that their model has succeeded in bringing cost containment, but more importantly, improved outcomes, quality of life for those members that are part of the NUCA system. And I applaud Mr. Daryl Moon and Orion and, and the company to be able to bring this to um, <laughs> fantastic opportunity and to the hundreds of people who uh, signed up to uh, participate. Again, this is Jack. Thank you so much for, uh, for watching. I look forward to meeting you in the future. And uh, once again, good luck with your health. Thank you.